to what it means to be picking up this teaching, the teaching of Anapanasati. And when I, when I consider it myself, I find certain ways of reflecting on it really helpful. And one is to really recognize that it sits, you know, the Buddha Taught the Four Noble Truths, and they're the elephant's footprint. Yeah? And Anapanasati, or this, this process, this practice, sits within that. So, what does that mean as we're, as we're picking it up, as we're practicing it? And very closely aligned with this is what the Buddha said in terms of how he teaches and that he teaches out of compassion. So this practice, mindfulness breathing, is offered out of compassion. (coughs) And can we attend to it? Can we pick it up? Can we take it as it was given, just that simply offered out of compassion, picked up out of compassion. And I find these ways of understanding it really helpful because then I can attune more closely to when I'm out of balance. When Anapanasati is about some kind of work and process, whereas Chitinya was describing it, some kind of project. I'm on a self-improvement project. And this is inherently painful. And it isn't very kind. So we think, oh, just how am I receiving this? Am I receiving it as something offered for my welfare? 
offered because it gives a practice path that matures in knowledge and release and because it's so direct it's it's because it works The, the, the cultivation has fruit so we just keep checking am I Am I attending to this in the right way? Or am I intimidated? Or something else, something else is going on. And we're just, we're just noticing it. Because we, have, we know what the, the truth of it is. You know, this is a practice you know, for freedom freedom from stress, freedom from suffering. If it's become a practice of tightening, a practice of failing, a practice of not being good enough, whatever way we like to frame it, we know we need to be attending more carefully. We need to be looking at what is actually going on. We need to be looking, really, in terms of the Four Noble Truths. And keeping it within the Four Noble Truths keeps us safe. Because we're keeping attuned to whether stress, added stress, is happening. If we're adding something else on that is confusing, that just seems to restrict us, that isn't bringing a sense of ease and well-being. And I'm not talking about that, you know, about not feeling what we're feeling. As we practice, as we do the preliminary work, and later too, there can be a tremendous experience of the, the results of our life. Mm. The breath links us with body, motion, everything. So we can really, we can open into territory that's really painful. But there's difference between that and dukkha. Mm. And the staying true to the breath, true to the present moment, is where the difference is, isn't it? Mm. Where we're just here with what is happening. Where, as Jatindra has been saying, can we breathe with it? Mm. Are we present? Are we available? Feelings are going to happen. Stuff will arise. And we're not, we're not trying to get rid of everything so we can shut down and concentrate. Because that's really painful experience. We're opening up and we're coming joyfully available. Yeah. It's that freedom, freeing up. 
So we just keep checking it out. What is happening here? And the, the process of the practice, you know, working, feeling, opening to the breath, the qualities of waking up that start to be generated, the qualities that come from this simplicity start to enable us to meet many other things that are happening for us. We get start to get the strength and the capacity to feel what we're feeling. My hand generates electricity. So, you know, just to be able to be here. And the, the practice deepens our capacity. So that's one other mark we can tell. Is it making me more able to be in this present moment? Or am I cultivating running away? Which is dukkha, isn't it? Because, as we know, you know, what's so radical about the Four Noble Truths is they arrive, arise in the same time and place. They're not delayed in time. When we open to what is happening here, it feels radically different, doesn't it? I was noticing earlier today, I was just, oh, this experience of, kind of raw. If I had to put a word to it, it would be raw. Yes. And I could feel it. You know, if, that, if that's just let to spin, of course, it can start configuring somebody who must be doing something wrong. Or, you know, we all got our patterns of the ways we do ourselves. But if we're just with that sensation, this feeling, it's what it feels like to be really tender. Nothing's going wrong. There's no suffering in that. There's no stress. There's no wanting it different. And then it does its thing, doesn't it? A moment later, however much time, it's waved through and something else is arising. So, in itself, we've been cultivating this capacity to be present each time we're with the breath. We get more strength to be with everything else. So, this is raw. Whose it is, I have no idea. But this is what is happening. And we just touch it, don't we? Listen, we feel. And we don't, not holding it as something permanent. A moment later, we can have taken a different shape. It's like the breath. One breath is so different from the next one. If we're really present. Each moment is precious unto itself. You know, we're starting 
we're starting to understand how the world works. Why the teaching of the Buddha is so radical. Just that we're starting to see what it's like to come into the present moment and to be able to have the clarity to see things as they are. To allow the rippling quality of experience. To feel what it's like that actually well in control. Things arise due to conditions, causes and conditions. And in every moment of cultivation, we're laying down wholesome conditions. This is the path. So, here we are, breathing. And within that, different experiences arise. So they're not wrong and they're not other. They're just part of this moment. It's we're developing, you know, we're cultivating the skill within. And we really we trust this. You know, that the Buddha said the taste of the Dharma, the taste of practice is freedom. It has this taste of release. So what is it like when we just let the rawness feel what it feels like in the body? There is a tremendous sense of well-being in that. It seems contradictory, doesn't it? But there's such relief in not running, not avoiding, not trying to make it different, not struggling and fighting with everything, just being at peace with where it is. It's here. It belongs as much as everything else. So we, we bring this quality, this quality that the Buddha can know the Dharma, can know the way things are. This refuge, this liberating understanding. And as we're cultivating, you know, the, when in the, one of the texts where the Buddha talked about the taste of the Dharma being the taste of release and freedom, he also talked about you know, it was lightening the Dharma practice to the ocean. So just as the great sea has only one taste, yeah. the taste of salt, so the Dharma has only one taste, the taste of release, the taste of freedom. But there's another quality that I think it's really helpful to recognize. The ocean slopes down gradually. There is no steep precipice. And the Buddha said, and it is the same in the teaching, the sense that the practice slopes down gradually. 
So we really see that in the Anapanasati Sutta. We're not, we're lowering, we're, we're letting ourselves deepen, lower, become more and more comfortable with the taste of freedom. We're getting comfortable with what reality is like. We're getting a sense of how these things work together. What it means to be embodied. What feeling is like. What mind is like. Objects of mind. And it's a process, isn't it? We start understanding what bodies like and then feeling and in that the breath is getting more and more subtle and we've got so our mindfulness is such that we really we can still be with the most subtle of breath and we get so that we can recognize mind Mind is mind. And this is a process, isn't it? Because most of the time, the mind is so full. It's so um, obsessed with thoughts, feelings, objects, consciousness, that we, we, can't, we can't actually see it, we can't experience it. So the process is just letting us start to sense what else is there beyond the objects that obsess us beyond the feelings and we start to sense mind mind is mind and that then the possibility starts to arise where the object mind become really fine and with that the sense of subject has become really fine and we can release ourselves out of that whole paradigm and we'll come, I mean we'll be talking about this process for the whole retreat, this process of waking up into reality it's not somewhere else, it's just here. And in any moment we're getting glimpses of that or experiences of this. So we just, moments when the mind settles, opens, it's quiet. And then there can be times when kind of Occlusion, the clouding of thinking and worrying come back over again. And we come back into the body, feeling the breath, feeling the worry, feeling whatever is going on, and the mind clarifies again. We just, we're in this process, aren't we, of keeping, establishing mindfulness, recognizing what is happening recognizing that this anapanasati is a process 
process of lowering ourselves into being able to have more capacity to see clearly. Mm. And it's a process that works by, by working together with our ability to inquire and recognize and our ability to let the mind settle and open. Me. And these two things are working together. Mm. Insight and samadhi. Yeah, just trust it. Mm. Coming back with what's going on here. Mm. What's the truth in this moment? And it's a tender thing, isn't it? Because I certainly you know, can sense, I can sense here, I can sense around that, you know, the, at this time, we can be really feelings, the unfelt aspects of our life. It's part of what happens when we start calming and settling as we come into the breath. And to be able to meet that and feel ourselves within the stream of practice. To be with what is here. How could it not be? And knowing it it has the same nature as the breath, as everything else. So the, the breath is teaching us how to be with things. How to let things arise, do what they do, and then they feel them just falling away. And within that, we have this paradox, isn't it? Because we can talk in terms of, it's here and now. In every moment, we're just waking up. But there's also the recognition that there's a path of practice, of cultivation. And we... As an idea, these two things are paradoxical, but as a direct experience, they fit together perfectly. Mm. We're cultivating our capacity to recognize what supports our embodied presence. Mm. And recognizing what's needed, what we need to do if we've lost that. So just checking. We keep returning, recognizing actually we've gone nowhere, feeling what's here, and really noticing the quality 
with which we're picking things up, picking up the practice, picking up a thought, picking up a sound, picking up perception of somebody else, picking up perceptions of our own self. Has it got this quality of compassion and kindness in it? Are we relating from this quality that the Buddha modelled? That teachings given out of compassion, we pick it up out of compassion. The Buddha said that his own relationship to the world was one of compassion. Either the mind was resting in emptiness or it had this quality. What's going on here? Am I fighting subtly with the sound of a bird outside the room? Mm. Wanting it to go away? Mm. Am I fighting with this other sound? Mm. Am I arguing about the way people come in and out the door? On and on, you just recognize where the mind is getting stuck. Oh, what's that about? Why are you fighting with the birds, Tanya? If that's going on, you think. So we start recognizing, right? Oh, it feels stressful. The fighting feels stressful, the sound feels stressful. Whatever it is, we're just starting to feel what's going on. It, it can be wonderful to practice with some things like the sound of the bell. For years, when, I practiced with it. When I was in Thailand, they had this huge bell. I was practicing there for a number of months and you could, you know, boom, boom, boom. And, you know, do I like the sound or do I not like the sound? And, you know, and shifting between these two. Sometimes I like it, sometimes I don't like it. And just recognizing the stress of both of those positions. I'm waiting for the bell. I don't want the bell to happen. Same here, eh? We're sitting. Sometimes you're thinking, they must have lost track of the time. (laughs) (laughs) Please, please ring the bell. And then other times the bell rings and you think, oh no. (laughs) And you can just notice this. Oh yeah, wanting what's pleasant, not wanting what is unpleasant. This is Dukkha. So we come back to the simplicity. What is going on? Struggling is going on. Stress is going on. And I find it really helpful to come out of the story and the proliferation just into this direct thing here. 
the feeling, the wanting, feeling the not wanting, keeping it really simple. And that we can feel in our body and we can be fully awake to it. What it feels like. Because this, we're starting to learn what it feels like to be incarnate, aren't we? In these bodies with this consciousness, sense doors. What's it like? And what are we adding on to that that makes it tricky? Jitty and I were teaching uh, down further south and the topic was emptiness and compassion. But, which was a bit big for the space of time we had. But, <laughs> but it was really interesting because it just brought back some of the, the teachings around that. And one of the really wonderful teachings that many of you will be familiar with is the Chula Sunyata Sutta which is a teaching on descent into emptiness. And it's really wonderful. But it really is teaching you about what happens with the placement of intention and attention. Attention and attention, yeah? Attention. Yes. So what you are attending to, what you're not attending to, so, but what it describes is the process, like the Anapanasati Sutra, of really releasing the mind by seeing conditionality. And there's a lovely piece at the end, yeah, where the Buddha has described this descent, in a sense, and the mind is freed out of ignorance, out of selfishness, self-focusedness. It's the mind of a Buddha. But what still exists is the experience of having the body. Yeah. Oh, interesting, isn't it? The Buddha hasn't rubbed out the reality of this Embody experience. Buddha's back hurt, but there was no suffering in that. You start to think, wow, so what was, what is actually going on here? Because we can be telling ourselves, if only our knees had stopped hurting, everything would be alright. Or whatever the story is, and you realize, oh, it's not, it's not about that. You know, this body will get older, will get more painful. It's the nature of it, isn't it? So we start to see that there's possibility of freedom and peace within that. And this is what the Anapanasati Sutra is teaching us. Where is the experience of happiness and well-being within this experience? Mm. 
And it moves through different layers, doesn't it? You know, and when we consider it, the Buddha's first understanding of Anapanasati, or first way he talks about it, is that he recognized that when he remembered sitting under the rose apple tree, watching his father plough the field. Oh, so that's the quality it needs to have. I'm about seven years old. There's this lovely festival going on. Someone I have loved has put me under a beautiful canvas. And I'm just there. And I feel the breath happening. And it's lovely. And the mind starts settling and opening. So are we picking it up with this kind of quality? So innocent. Each, you know, the real beginner's mind. Each breath is a new breath. So, just to be checking it out, checking out the quality with which we're practicing. Knowing it's about waking up, knowing it's about release, knowing it's about happiness. So that, and it's not about there not being residue here, the results of being born. It's about freedom within that. So, how do we keep heart with this? Just letting this practice do us. Release, bring release as its fruit. So just keeping attuning, trusting it. And keeping attuning to the quality with which we're practicing. Is it kind? Is it loving? Is it compassionate? Is it friendly? Is it for our long-lasting welfare and happiness? Because this is what it was offered for. Maybe enough, since we need a good night's sleep given what tomorrow holds. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.